While this COVID pandemic has been difficult for all of us, this upcoming holiday season can still be merry and bright. We are here to help guide and advise you on how to have a safe and merry holiday with your family and friends, both near and far. We are your hosts, Lacey, Elizabeth, Javoris, and we're the Dominant Jeans. Thank you for joining us. In today's episode, we're going to talk about how to prepare yourself and your house for the upcoming holidays. And we will also have our special guest, Dr. Ellen Eaton with UAB, who has graciously agreed to answer some questions about the COVID pandemic. So guys, where have you gotten tested at and what was your experience like? Initially, I got tested through the Health Lab and like the Health Lab, like through UAB especially, and they had me make an appointment through whatever organization that they use. And um, it was pretty simple. I got my like results in the next 24 hours. And then like, I got, did that like another time and it was like at, um, but the last time I got tested, like, three days ago, it was, like, independent. Like, I did it myself. For some reason, like, where, like, where I stay, I can find, like, a lot of testing places, like, maybe five or six. But um, I went to my insurances, like, where you, like, find, like, where, like, your insurance, like, covers or whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, I, like, looked and, like, saw, like, the ones, and then I just went from there. I've gotten tested a few times just because I've been scared and I got sick, so I just go just in case. Um, I usually go to this, uh, I forgot what it's called, it's in Ross Bridge, it's a clinic in Ross Bridge, and they come to your car and they do the nose swab. I think I did that one about three times, and then I did the one with UAB, which we, I think that was at, uh, in, like, by Hoover High School, I think that's what it was, and we had to do that one ourselves. Um, I think that was, think that was just the only times that I've ever gotten tested, but they just, I know that a lot of doctor places and where I work at the, at my dentist's office, we do COVID testing there too, and they take insurance or anything that you need, which is great because I'd rather not pay <laughs> that much money just to get tested. I got tested for the first time at my doctor's office at the Norwood Clinic, but it was like a drive through so you called, it was like, because it's an after-hours clinic, which was really nice. So if you had to work, you could go, because it was always after five. And you pull up, and you wait in line. I was in and out in 15 minutes. The second time I got tested was at Walgreens. Um, I made the appointment online. It was, I think it was a Walgreens in, um, somewhere down 280. It wasn't actually at the Walgreens. It was at this old like CVS or Rite Aid building across the street, and it was a drive up. So you just drove up, and they put the the test through the through the little window thing, and you took it out and you swabbed it yourself, and then put it back in, and you just drove away. And I had my and I had my test results in fifteen minutes. I haven't had to pay for any of them like, out of pocket charges. Like my insurance has covered all of them. I think like most insurance insurances should. Um cover COVID testing because of how bad it is. So if you were like, I need to get tested, I'm sure a lot of insurance would be like, yeah, we just need to pay for these people because there's no way they can pay that many tests out of pocket. Do you guys know how much a COVID test is without insurance? I, like when I was getting, like check my insurance, it was like, they were like saying like without insurance, it's like $150 or something like that. Oh, really? Yeah, it's like a lot. 
It ranges from no cost to $352, depending on the place that you get it. Oh, really? Yeah. That is so crappy. I don't like that at all. That's horrible. Yeah, that's like, horrible. Yeah, that's really horrible. I think it's also said in some, like, private places. If you want the... It's just, like, a private place. If you want that, then that's, like, almost $2,000. I don't know if that's true, but that's what it says. Oh, that's... That's insane. That's a bit excessive. A, a lot excessive. Now we can talk about one of my favorite subjects, which is cleaning and sanitizing your house. I tend to like to clean, so learning all these really cool tips and tricks on how to break down the COVID virus was really interesting to me. And I actually heard that Windex is actually really effective because Windex is an extremely effective degreaser. It can also easily break down the greasy lipid layer that surrounds the coronavirus. Oh. Yeah, I always thought that was really cool. Yeah. And also using like a one to five ratio of bleach and water. So just like simple bleach and water. So one part bleach and five parts water is really effective at sanitizing everything. And you can also, if you don't have any of those products around your house, because it's very hard to get those products right now, just simple soap and water. Just anything that can break down grease can be good to break down the virus. We clean the house every Sunday, so... If you use hand sanitizer, you have to make sure it's at least a 60% ethanol product. I know one thing that we did to make sure that we wouldn't get thrown out, like, at the, be at the very beginning of this, we, whenever we got, like, our groceries or anything, we always, like, spray them with, like, Lysol or something, just, like, to be, like, safe. And we'd all spray, like, the doorknobs, all the, like, we'd wipe down the countertops, everything. Like, we'd spray anything that we took with us to the grocery store and brought back from the grocery store. So I think that's a really good thing to like still do now, even though I'm sure like a lot of people still don't do that. But it's probably it's a really good idea since you since so many people go to the grocery store. The easiest way to prevent yourself and others from getting sick is to wear your mask and wash your hands. Like just clean and wash your hands. Like that's those are two things that are just like the most effective at stopping the spread of coronavirus. <laughs> If you're not going to do the rest of the stuff that we say, at least just wear your mask and wash your hands. Yes. I know another major thing is if you have like a reusable mask, you need to like wash it like relatively often because it's gonna like I got yeah, like recommend like rewearing it for like months and months because I know some people who've like been wearing the same mask from like the beginning of the pandemic and have yet to wash it. Oh, yes. Yes, listeners, please. If you are th listening to this right now, why don't you get your mask and throw it in the wash with your other clothes? If you don't feel comfortable putting it in with your other clothes, do a load of just your mask with like a mild detergent, a little bit of bleach, and hot water. That's all you need. Do you guys think that the practice of everybody getting tested and gathering is effective at stopping the, the spread of COVID? Absolutely not. If you are getting tested, then the least you could do is at least quarantine until you get your results back. Because if you gather after you get tested, then the test is pretty much just a dud at that point. Because you don't know if you got it when you went out. That's just, that's just really dumb at that point. I think that even if you get tested like the day before you go over to someone's house and you 
you go and you get that negative test result the day the day of your exam. It does not give you a license to let your guard down. No, not at all. Because, like, I know that you may be like in the like three to five day, like how like the grade period before like you show a positive test. So it's like, well, it may be negative. Like when you get tested, they may not necessarily mean that you're like actually negative. Also, I've seen people getting like like groups of like teenagers going to get tested like together. I mean, unless you, that's kind of I think that's just that's just not right. Yeah, getting tested as a group um, is not a good idea unless that group is in your immediate household. You should not really be around groups. What do you guys think are some good ideas to do after you have guests over? Well, I'd say, like, the biggest thing is just, like, try to, like, sanitize, like, any um, area, like, that your um, guests or, like, anyone that's, like, outside your immediate household, like, came in contact with, so, like, doorknobs and, like, like seats and stuff like that, I'd say, like, they're probably the biggest things. And if you have any symptoms, you should tell everyone you've been into contact with and quarantine and isolate yourself and get tested immediately. And if you do have a group of people coming over, make sure you keep your pets in a separate room because they can also get corona, which is very sad, but I think it's 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 better for them and for yourself if your pets are just in a separate room if you have people over. And now we're going to hear from Dr. Eaton. Hi, my name is Ellen Eaton, and I'm an assistant professor in the Department of Medicine and the Division of Infectious Diseases at UAB. Do you think that being able to pinpoint where in the community people are getting sick the most would be beneficial, and how would we go about doing this? Um, I do think it's important because then we can counsel individuals in our community to avoid certain types of gatherings, certain types of events um, and venues, for example, um, and we have seen some studies doing this. So for example, there was a study using GPS tracking to look at cell phone usage in certain areas that were also known to be coronavirus hotspots, and based on the time and the location of encounters and gatherings, they were able to make some associations with high-risk events. So that data was not super surprising. It was hotels and restaurants and bars and gyms. Um, which are all known to be great places to pick up coronavirus. Um, so I do think it is important and there are other great ways to do that including looking at GPS tracking. You could look at surveys of people who have recently been infected, several other ways to do that. Because it is impossible to stop people from seeing their family this holiday season, what do you think is the best way for them to be together? So it's a great question. I've started shifting some of my language from don't gather at all to if you're going to gather, here's the safest way to do it. And that's kind of a harm reduction model. Um, and the reason that's a harm reduction model is because um, we know that an abstinence only approach to holidays would probably be unlikely to work similar to abstinence only with um, sexual health education, right? So we know people are gonna do certain behaviors, so how can we have them do those behaviors that are potentially high risk more safely? And some of the messaging we've done around that has been gather outside, gather with maybe just your immediate family and one other family eating outside, have the family sit at their own different tables so that they're not sharing germs, they're not sharing utensils. Um, and then keeping interactions brief with people that are outside of your home as well. 
So I think that's really the best way for individuals to gather if they choose to gather. I would definitely not gather um, and share a meal with elderly or vulnerable individuals, those with chronic medical conditions. That may be something that you should visit grandma at her assisted living home or her skilled facility on the patio and share tea outside separated by six feet rather than bringing her to your table sitting next to her, for example, would be much higher risk. What can we do as a community to stop the spread of COVID? What is our community doing wrong? I think we know all the right steps, which is masking 100% um, of the time when we're indoors with others, and even more outdoors and within six feet from others, or in a crowd or a gathering. You can imagine being um, at an outdoor supermarket where people are waiting in line to get in. That's a, that's a time that you may be within six feet for 15 minutes. Everybody needs to wear a mask really moving everything outdoors if at all possible so if you're going to be eating out at a restaurant you need to eat only outdoors um, things like indoor movie theaters indoor bars um, restaurants where um, it's a lot harder to distance and you're sitting for a prolonged period of time so those are great ways to share coronavirus so i would really discourage anybody from any kind of indoor event indoor venue and those are great places to stop the spread so when you do see packed restaurants when you see entertainment venues, bars open, those those really should be discouraged. Um, I would encourage all of you to avoid those to stay healthy. How do you feel about people not wearing masks or gathering in large groups? Well, I, you know, I, I feel like it's an unsafe activity. I, we try not to make a judgment call. There is a lot of stigma around coronavirus and people who have gotten coronavirus, so we don't say it's, you know, bad or. Um, judge those activities i think the best thing to to do is describe it as unsafe it is likely that you will encounter coronavirus and get infected if you do not wear a mask um, and same thing for those that gather so i'd use those um, behaviors as high risk and again i would work to mitigate risk through those harm reduction um, behaviors that i suggested earlier is there a certain sign or symptom that tells a person to go get tested immediately um, I think that at this point, we know that if 10 or 15 individuals gather in Jefferson County, there's about a 30 to 50% chance that someone in that gathering, that relatively small gathering, has coronavirus. So if you're someone who's been going to any kind of public setting where you're with 10 friends, 15 friends, um, you should basically act as if you have been exposed at this point. So really hunkering down. Um, doing only essential activities, working from home, taking classes remotely if you can at all. Um, if you were to develop signs of even a cold, headache, fever, sore throat, runny nose, um, certainly we've heard about lack of taste, lack of smell. Lack of smell is, being, is, is very specific to coronavirus. We don't often see that absence of smell with other viruses. It's pretty specific to coronavirus, the SARS-CoV-2 um, strain of coronavirus. Um, so those are all symptoms that you would want to get tested, um, and certainly if you have been out and about, you would want to get tested so that you can notify your close contacts and they could stay home as well, they could quarantine, and we could really nip that potential outbreak in the bud as soon as possible if you were to know you were infected, notify your contacts, and everybody reacted responsibly and quarantined. What do you think about the U.S. going back into lockdown next year? Will it help slow the spread of COVID? I know that a lot of communities are trying to avoid lockdown, and I think that's smart. Um, we know that there are a lot of steps that need to happen before a lockdown, um, and those would include the things that I mentioned, the high-risk activities coming to a halt. So bars and restaurants, 
um, really should not look normal. Entertainment should not look normal. Sports should not look normal. Those are all non-essential activities that should come to a halt or be significantly modified before we think about quote-unquote shutting down or going back to a lockdown. Um, I, I think I'm not alone and a lot of public health experts believe that this should be a dimmer and not a switch. So it should not be a light switch where we go from doing normal activities to everyone staying home. It should be a gated stepwise approach where we go from um, lots of outdoor activities and then we reduce those activities in frequency and capacity. We move those activities outdoors. Um, and that would be like a dimmer approach. We want to thank Dr. Eaton for taking her time out of her very busy schedule to answer our questions for our podcast. Thank you so much. This has been an original podcast brought to you by the Department of Biology at the University of Alabama at Birmingham in Birmingham, Alabama, published by Anchor and recorded by Zoom. Your host, writers, and producers are Lacey George, Misba Gulamani, and Javorius Hubbard. The theme music is titled Christmas Memory by Vortex. Mm -hmm.